And you can read that story in detail to your children or yourself in the book called Daniel, which is in the Bible. Daniel's one of my favorite books. Daniel is one of my favorite characters, which is why today I can talk about Daniel. When I was asked, I was actually reading the book of Daniel. But before we get to Daniel, I think it's time to have a look at some New Year resolutions. Who's made one? Okay, there's a few there. I um, just want you to know that New Year, New Year resolutions go in one year and out the other. <laughs> hey, I got some fun ones from the internet. My 2018 resolution is to complete the resolution of 2017 <laughs> that I should have completed in 2014. Here's another one from a younger person. I will not bore my boss with the same excuse for taking leave. I will think of some more excuses. From a young person, I will do less laundry, laundry and use more deodorant. Again, I will avoid taking a bath wherever possible and conserve more water. And this one probably is a bit more like us. I will give up chocolate, totally, 100%, completely, honestly, maybe. <laughs> or for those computer people who have to use computers because there's no other way, I will think of a password other than password. <laughs> and for those who are getting a bit older, I will not tell the same story at every gathering. So one of the things I like about Daniel, of course, is that when we read the first chapter of Daniel, we discover that he made a resolution. Now, Daniel is quite a popular person, and he has inspired many because of the Daniel diet. Have you heard that one, the Daniel diet? There was a guy that we know quite well called Nick, Rick Warren. You've heard of him? He, at one stage, baptised 200 people at once. And after that baptism, he decided he would write a book on the Daniel fast because they were all obese. And so he decided they needed to go on a diet. Now, that book is still available, but I think Daniel's got a lot more to teach us than dieting and fasting. Why am I drawn to Daniel? Well... He's almost too good to be true. And as a child, I wanted to be too good to be true. I wanted to be perfect. You know, Daniel is one of the few characters in the scriptures of whom we read of no big sin issues. I'm sure he sinned, but there's nothing there. He didn't leave his wife. He didn't marry three people. He didn't have trouble with his children. He didn't do this. He didn't. He's almost too perfect. Mind you, it's just that we don't read of it. It's not in there. But what we read of him is a man who made a resolution and stuck with it. Maybe not a New Year's resolution, but he stuck with his resolution. Let's look at the scripture reading, and we'll see if we can read it today. Uh, it's from Daniel. Chapter 1. I'll look up here if that's all right so I can see it. The king, you remember his name? Nebuchadnezzar's right, told Ashpenaz, the head of the palace staff, 
to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men who were healthy and handsome, intelligent and well-educated. That would deplete us here of young people. Good prospects for leadership, positions in the government, perfect specimens, and indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language and the law of magic and fortune-telling. The king then ordered that they should be served from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the finest wines, and after three years of training, they would be given positions in the king's court. And the reading goes on, but Daniel determined, oh, four young men from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were among those selected. The head of the palace staff gave them Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belshazzar, Hananiah was named Shadrach, Mishael was named Meshach, and Azariah was named Abednego. But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. So he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. Daniel resolved. The idea there that we get from the Hebrew part of the Bible is that he determined in his heart. He made a decision down here and not just up here. He resolved, he determined not to defile himself. Now, I want you to take a guess at this stage of how old do you think Daniel was when this happened? Any guesses? Put your hand up if you think he was between 30 and 40. 20 and 30. Over 40. Under 20. Yep, he was only 15. 16. And so this is the part I like about Daniel's story. And this is a part to young families. It's a part of the story to the church family. That Daniel grew up knowing the story of God. He grew up knowing about the faith. And he grew up with others around him who kept reciting the stories and telling the stories. So what, what I want to talk today about is a determination, choices that produce good character right through to the end. We read of Daniel as a young man, a young kid, 15. Any 15-year-olds in the house? 15. Now, Daniel was taken with others. Part of the reading, when we read scriptures, we can think that Daniel stood alone. But Daniel was a disciple of Jeremiah. Do you know him? Jeremiah was one of his heroes. He was also a contemporary of Ezekiel and probably Zephaniah and Habakkuk too, which means they moved around in the circles. They were educated by these people. They knew God's story. Do you know God's story? God's story, which starts at the very beginning where it says, God, the creator God, made humans to be like God, to enjoy God, to enjoy each other, 
to have authority over this world and to look after it and care it and to enjoy, to live the life of perfect peace, shalom, hope, and joy, Eden. That's the beginning of the story. And believe it or not, that's the end of the story where God has created us again to enjoy God, to be with him, to be with others in perfect harmony. No fights, no discord, no conflicts, nothing to make us ashamed, guilty, or condemned. That's the end of the story, to enjoy God, enjoy his people, delight in this world, delight in his creation, to delight in everything he made. But in between, there's this story, the story of God, the story of humans, where humans decided to give up on God to go their own way so that their will determined how they would live. God gave us free will. And our wills can be strongly determined against anything, against God. They can be determined against our culture, against our family, against our church. This is what happened to the human race. With their will, they determined to go against God. God wanted people who willed, determined, chose, resolved to follow him. And so God sent forth a rescue mission. The rescue mission for the people of God in the older part of the story was whereby he delivered them from slavery. He protected them. He made them his people. He made a covenant like a marriage vow with them and said, I'll be your God. You be my people. And I'll show you how to live as the people of God. And he gave them commands and statutes to live by. And one of the psalmists said, these commands of God are my delight. They weren't awful and awesome and awkward and horrible. They will be a delight. And the psalmist also said, they shall be your counselors. So in the older part of the Testament, we can find God as our counsel and God as our delight. And Daniel and his friends knew this kind of God. It's relational. It's gauging with God. It's knowing his story. And so from Jeremiah, he learnt. From Ezekiel, he learnt. And then he was taken. I want you to imagine this. Your country is war-torn. Most of us don't know that. I was reflecting on that, and I thought, here am I, 70 years old. Can you imagine that? That's how old I am. And my country has never been torn apart in my lifetime by war. But some of you have seen war. Some of you have lived through it. Some of you know the dev devastation and there seems to be no hope, no end. And you've heard of wars in your time. And that is where Daniel lived, where there were loud roars and rumours and echoes of the powerful kings that would come and destroy, where the prophets spoke week after week after week about return to God and he will be your protection. But if you do not return to God, you'll be destroyed. So when did Daniel live? About 500 years before Jesus, about 500 years after David, and about 1,500 years after Abraham. But he lived at the time when God was going to come and destroy the nation. Why? Because the people willed determined, resolved to follow their own ways and not to follow God. 
Yes, they went to temple. Yes, they took sacrifices. Yes, they kept the festivals. Yes, they kept the language. But no, their hearts were not following him. And what did Daniel and his friends do? Determined in their heart to follow God. And not just was the actions that looked okay. And God came, used the Babylonians, and they took him. And then they had a re-education program. Imagine 15, going to university, you're given a new name. And what does your new name mean? Your old name said something like, God is, God is gracious, God is my helper, God is for you, God is with you. And now they've taken the names of three of the gods of Babylonians, where it says, Aku, the moon god, will be your god, Shadrach. Belshazzar, where it says, Bel, one of the gods of the Babylonians, will be your god. For others there, God, the, the moon god, Aku, and Bel, would be their protectors. So you, why do you change your name? The Babylonians thought that this would detract from them thinking about their God, that they'd give them a new identity, new uniform, new food, new name, new everything, new classroom. But they resolved in their hearts to follow God. And so I want to look at the growth of character, the growth of what happens when we determine to follow God. So there's a little thing here that says, what produces character? Is it will? Is it resolution? I can determine to lose weight for three days in my mind. I can determine to go to the gym to get fit. Now, some people can do it. Some people can go to the gym every day and get fit. And they're strong and they've got results for us. Some people are so disciplined that they can learn a new musical instrument and become professional and they're disciplined. And will produces a good, disciplined, good, self-controlled person in certain areas, but not in every area. But does that produce character? The character of Jesus, or as the scriptures say, the fruit of the Spirit. Does it produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, patience, faithfulness, self-control? I watch dedicated tennis players play tennis and then have a little tantrum when it doesn't go their way. Does it produce character? I see people have a meltdown when something that they've had a goal for all their life doesn't work. I've seen competitiveness and vindictiveness in very highly skilled people as they've dedicated that. So what produces character? It's got to start in the will. The will. I think I've skipped ahead if you follow the... um, Let's have a look at this one here. It's the will. I've got here, decisions start in the will. Theoretically, it starts there. But the will does not produce the change. What feeds our will? Do you know? Our thoughts and our feelings. So here it is. I've decided absolutely, 100%, not to have any chocolate, maybe. And then there's this 
platter of the most beautiful chocolate from cocoa bean that you could ever have. All of it had here was cheeses and all this other beautiful stuff. And I have made up my mind before I came to this thing that I wouldn't eat anything. And then I'm feeling a little bit, oh, one won't hurt. And someone says, go on, have one. And uh, suddenly I think, oh, one might make a difference. What am I listening to? I guess I'm listening to the other person, but what else am I listening to? I'm listening to my thoughts. I'm listening to my will, to my feelings. And so I take the one and I take the two. And then I feel a bit miserable because I didn't resolve. And it repeats and it goes on and on. I will and I fail because I listen to my mind. My mind is made up of my thoughts and my feelings. I determine daily to read my scriptures, to spend time with God. <sighs> Sometimes I'm lying in bed in the morning, so oh, I don't feel like getting up. But I do, because I listen to something different. I listen to my heart or my mind. I listen, and it makes a difference, and it helps me obey. So I make, it starts in my mind. It starts with choices, and my will determines. So it's like this. Over this side, I've got my mind, okay? And my mind is made up of my thoughts and my feelings. And here's my will, and it feeds it. It feeds it and says, come on, you can do it. Come on. God loves you. Come on, you can change. Come on. The Spirit of God is in me. And sometimes I'm here with my will thinking, oh, I have to listen. I have to look at my mind. I have to look at my thoughts and feelings. And if my thoughts and feelings have not been refreshed, I go back to the old stories, the old stories that say, you can't change. Who do you think you are? There's no hope for you. You give in every time. You've got a weak will. And if I listen to that, what happens? I fail. I fail miserably. I don't change. So the beautiful thing about the mind is that God has a part to play in this because he is the one that helps us. Let's have a look at how this can happen. And I want to have a look at this slide that says, I review my life for living. I review my life for living. So I look at my thoughts and my feelings. I look back and I have a review. And I can even see a time maybe when I was really zealous and enthusiastic and believed and trusted and I saw some change and I saw some resolution and then I think, what happened? What happened? It didn't stay like that. And so I go back and I think, Lord, what happened? I need to review my life. Over the Christmas time, I had a beautiful opportunity to talk to someone very close to me. And it's the first time we've had a God conversation. And uh, I said to him in the course of the conversation, I remembered you as a teenager. You were enthusiastic for Jesus. You were involved in your church. 
you were baptised, you went on a mission, you were incredibly inspiring to others. What happened to you? He said, I left home. I had an inferiority complex. I had an identity issue. I stuttered. And even though I had friends in the church, I started to uh, behave differently. And it was easier to give up my Christianity than to live with the guilt. Amazing, isn't it? This is what a 50-year-old said to me about his teenage years. And I thought, what a tragic, when we, presume, when, when we see Jesus as someone who is just maybe a ticket to heaven, maybe someone that just gets us over the line, and we don't continue with Jesus to the very end. So I go back to the mind. I review my life for living. The Bible calls this repentance. Repentance says, I don't want to live like this anymore. I refuse to let the past mind and thoughts and feelings dominate who I am today. My behaviours are going to change. I refuse to live like that. And I make a choice and I say, Jesus Christ, help me. And I start filling my mind with new information, fresh information every day. Fresh engagement with Jesus every day. And so as I do that, God does his part. God, for the first time, if I do this, if I review my life and I repent and I say, I'm not going to live like this anymore, that's my mind talking, that's my will speaking, and then I say, I am going to invite God. And God moves in to, his, to our lives. And God does move in and he comes in. He moves in and he lives in. But, you know, some of us have only ever allowed him in the front door, if I use the image of a house. We say, you stay there, God, right there at the front door, and I'll live at the back door. And you have no access to all these other rooms. You're there. You're my safety net for heaven. So when I die, I'll be with you. But right now, I'm still going to live my life as I please. I'll ask you to help me now and then. Help me to get a new job. Help me to have a new, the right partner in life. Help me not to lose my temper and be angry. Help me. And there's not an engagement. There's not necessarily a total surrender. We've, if you like, invited him in, but not allowed him to move into every part of our life. We've not given him access, the key to our mind. And so this is why I need fresh every day. I, I do have my 20 minutes in the chair. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's brief. But you know, it's more than just reading and ticking the box to say I've done it. Sometimes it's sitting there with my God, Jesus, the counsellor, the friend, Jesus. And I allow myself to fall in love with him. And maybe that's what is needed, again, with some of us, to fall in love afresh with Jesus as we meditate, as we stay with him and say, Lord, let me stay here till I know you love me, till I know that you've forgiven me, till I know the mercy of God, the grace of God, so I can walk out 
and be different and I can resolve to follow you all the days of my life. It's his presence that produces change and character that we desire. It's God in us as we partner together, as we give him access, as we allow the mercies of God that are new and fresh every morning to feed our mind that can then inform the will on how to live. Do you see that? I need change in my mind so that my will can be in tune with what God wants in my life. So here's the bit about Daniel, my love of him. He was faithful to his old age. He had friends. He was faithful. Sometimes he was prominent in the kingdoms. Sometimes he was despised, but he was faithful. So how old was Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den? Lion's den? 84 at least. Anyone over 80 here? Prepare for the lion's den. Not really, not really. This is the appeal of Daniel to me. He was faithful all his life. From a 15-year-old when he's introduced right through till he's this old man with his beard or maybe no hair, maybe he's lost it all. Maybe he's lost a bit of his eyesight, but he has not lost his connection with God. He's not a grumpy old man that's saying, oh, in Jerusalem it was much better. The good old days, I can't wait for them to come back. These young people don't know what they're doing. No, he was faithful right to the end. He knew God's story. And he knew that Jeremiah said that the exile, living in Babylonian, was not the end. That there would be a new beginning. Now, Daniel was too old to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple. But he prayed for his people. He prayed for them that they would be faithful. He repented on behalf of the people of God in his prayers. And he said, Lord, it's time. It's time to go back. And as an old man, he prayed that. And he infused others to be faithful and prepared them to go back under Ezra and Nehemiah. We need to see the story as a complete. God help us who are aging to be faithful to the end. True? You want to be there? God help you 40 year olds to be in love with Jesus afresh. God help you people who've been Christians for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years to keep falling in love with Jesus every day. He is the one who's beautiful in us and that makes us attractive to others. He is the one that gives us the power of the spirit within that makes it possible to do good, to love the world, to love others and to reach out and care for our neighbours. And he is the one who produces the character in us that has that smell and delight and flavour of Jesus all around. He is the one, Jesus, faithful to the end. I've asked you actually to do something. On your sheets there's a tiny little bit of card. And you might say, well, how? Can I keep my resolve? You can be inspired today. Your will may have engaged. 
but your heart needs to engage. So ask yourself some of these questions regularly. It's a self-evaluation. Pick it up. Someone hold one up. It's too small for me to see. You've got them? Put one in your hand. There should be one on your seat. Take it with you. Shove it in your Bible. See it regularly. If you don't read your Bible regularly, don't put it there. Um, put it with your phones. <laughs> take it. Take it. And engage with others with it. Look at the questions yourself. Am I engaged in worship or do I just sing songs? We sang that song this morning about worship. Do I regularly connect with God? Not just read his Bible, read his thing. Do I engage with others at Door of Hope? Do I have friends here? Do they know me? You heard what Royce said at the beginning. Let's stop pretending. Let's be friends. Am I having rich conversations with others? Do I freely give? Do I love well? Am I cultivating a life of gratitude? Am I generous? Just a few questions. Ask yourself and give someone else permission to ask those questions of you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for the young ones. I want to pray that in their hearts they will resolve to follow you all the days of their lives and help us as a church to cheer them on, to encourage them. We pray for those who are involved in Generations Ministry, dealing with the young, dealing with the youth. I want to pray for the young people today who will be moving into new experiences, new colleges, new situations where the culture may be very different and anti-God. Give them the courage, Lord, I pray, to be true to you. And my prayer is too that we would be there for them, supporting them, cheering them, that they would find friends that would be with them in mind and spirit. Pray, Lord, for those who are a little bit weary of following you, been at it for a while. Give us, Lord, the desire to fall in love with you again, to love you well, to love your people well, to be free of cynicism and judgmental spirits. Lord, come. And Lord, for those who are of us who are aging, keep us delightful. Keep us beautiful. And where we tend, Lord, to think that we have been forgotten and that our place in this world is finished, may we remember what Daniel did in his old age to pray for the future of his people. Keep us as people who will encourage, people who will mentor, people who will be faithful to the end. May God give us the courage. May God give us the wisdom. May we allow Jesus to have full extent of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.